and welcome to Labors in the Harvest with Kevin Folger. This podcast is a weekly conversation about the gospel and the work that God is doing through those who labor for him. Kevin Folger, your host, is a man with over four decades of ministry experience. For 41 years, he served on the pastoral staff of Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He currently serves as a North America Director of Spiritual Leadership Asia, a ministry that assists those endeavoring to preach the gospel and plant Baptist churches in the 1040 window with a particular focus on Asia. Now here's Kevin with this week's Labors in the Harvest podcast. friends, thanks for joining me. This is Kevin Folger with Labors in the Harvest podcast. I'm excited uh, as we enter this new year of 2021. I know we're a couple weeks in, but uh, as we launch uh, this, the episodes for Labors in the Harvest for 2021, I'm excited about uh, the guests that we have lined up to tell you their stories about God's call on their life as they are laborers in the harvest. We kick off the inaugural 2021 Labors in the Harvest podcast with a very special guest, uh, my guest today is Brother Dwight Tomlinson, and uh, Brother Tomlinson has quite a background. He's a mature man who has served the Lord for decades and uh, has been faithful. I've known him for 20-some years and have had the opportunity of uh, ministering together with him. His ministry uh, that you'll be introduced today through the podcast is called Barnabas 1040. It's very similar to the Ministry of Spiritual Leadership Asia. Uh, Brother Tomlinson aids uh, Asian nationals and the 1040 window, trying to help them uh, get places and uh, preach the gospel and come alongside of them and help them. And uh, we're excited about his testimony, his road to ministry. And so we're going to launch off today, and I want to introduce you to my friend, Brother Dwight Tomlinson. Well, it's great to uh, have with me as my guest today, uh, Brother Dwight Tomlinson. And uh, Brother Tomlinson is uh, serving with a ministry called Barnabas 1040. Brother Tomlinson, thank you for taking a few moments to join us with today's uh, Labors in the Harvest podcast. Thank you for allowing me. It's a privilege to be here. Well, I wanted to uh, just ask you to uh, take a few moments and kind of introduce yourself to our audience. Uh, you know, uh, I know you, uh, again, like me, just a, a, I don't like to say old, but maybe mature. Is that a good word, way of saying it? <laughs> I think old works. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, just talk, talk to us a little bit about your wife, your kids, your grandkids, that kind of thing, and your, hey, where you are in your life, okay? Yeah, I think, well, you know, for the first time in my life, I'm 70 years old, and so I think it's probably old. <laughs> I'm pushing 71 this coming March 24th, but so... Um, uh, my wife and I have been married for 49 years, coming this coming January 29th, so we're just a few days away from our 49th wedding anniversary, and um, I was not raised in a Christian home, was saved at the age of 20, and uh, met my wife, we got married, and uh, you know, when I was 22 and she was 19, and we've just been serving the Lord together ever since. And has God blessed your home with children and grandchildren? Yeah, we have three uh, three daughters, and uh, we have nine grandchildren, and so God's been very good to us. All right, that's wonderful. Well, let's uh, let's take a moment, if you would, and just kind of discuss with us about the the, the vision and the mission of uh, a ministry called Barnabas Ten Forty. Barnabas Ten Forty Ministry is a ministry that uh, my wife and I started five years ago, and uh, 
what prompted that was that I was pastoring in California for the last 25 years. I was at the Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California, Southern California. And as I was approaching the age of 65, I really began to think about what, uh, what God would have us to do, have me do with the rest of my life. And my wife and I talked about it, prayed about it. And we felt like that, you know, we did not need, need to leave the church at the age of 65. We health is good. And, you know, uh, church was growing. Young, young couples are still coming. We didn't feel as if there was a, you know, a pressing need to leave the church, but we realized that at some point we would need to do that. We need to turn the church over to a younger man and uh, strike out into uh, whatever God had for the future for us. And we have been burdened about the 1040 window, which of course, as you know, is that area of the world between 10 and 40 degrees North latitude on a world map. Mm -hmm. And in that area, there are 60 something countries and those countries represent the least evangelized part of the world. And so we had a burden about that part of the world. We did not think that uh, at the age of 65 that uh, I was supposed to go over there and, and become a missionary, start a church necessarily. But we could, um, with, with the, the expertise, from, or the, I'm sorry, the experience we've had, the background we have, the fact that um, you know, I pastored for 45 years and, uh, you know, I know quite a few pastors and um felt like that we could uh, facilitate uh, through our connections in America and then overseas that we could facilitate the uh, planting of churches by national pastors. And so Barnabas 1040, Barnabas tells the what, Barnabas is the man in the Bible that uh, is, of course, the one who comes alongside and helps. In fact, uh, his name means uh, Barnabas is the name that the early church gave him. His actual given name was Joseph, and they gave him the name Barnabas as you know, in the book of Acts. And the reason that they did is because they said, this is the son of consolation. He is a helper. Mm -hmm. And so what we wanted to do was Barnabas. We wanted to help. 1040 was the, the area across Asia, uh, Middle East and Asia that had the least access to the gospel. We wanted to help facilitate by coming alongside national pastors and missionaries. Uh, they're, they're already over there and helping them to uh, be able to present uh, the gospel by getting their national pastors out. We provide the financial support uh, for the for the for the uh, national pastors to go plant churches in their own villages among their own people. Of course, they don't have to learn the language. They don't have to learn the culture. They're from there, and they are able then to just uh, go ahead and start churches much more rapidly, perhaps than a foreigner could. And we don't we don't take the missionary out of the equation because we actually work alongside the missionary. The missionary is the one who, who introduces us to the national pastors. He is the one who provides the, the mentoring for the pastor. Uh, he's the one that helps us as we send the money to the missionary who can then get that to the uh, national. So we just feel like, uh, we feel like it's a ministry that uh, will work. And uh, we started five years ago. Today we have about 79 different uh, national pastors or missionaries we're working with in 19 different countries. And we're seeing, uh, we're seeing thousands of people saved each year, hundreds of people saved, baptized each year, churches being planted. So uh, we're, really, we're really amazed at what God has done in just five years. Well, it's an amazing uh, concept. There's no question about that. And uh, I think you're like myself. We believe that God has orchestrated the events over there in Asia, preparing them to, uh, uh, to be the ones that are doing the, the planting. Yes, uh, an army of laborers really have been prepared. It's just a matter of they, they need some help financially uh, with encouragement and training and other things like that. And so very much appreciate uh, Barnabas 1040. I think when I was pastoring, we were one of the first churches that took that ministry on. 
Thank you. And it, was, it was a blessing. That's for sure. Well, um, I wanted to uh, just kind of kind of walk you through because our, our ministry, this uh, podcast really has to do with t- talking about people's journey to ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, so let's go back. Uh, you mentioned that you were saved. I think you said when at the age of 20, is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Where were you born and where did you grow up for the Tomlinson? I was born in Hot Springs, Arkansas. My uh, father was stationed in the, the army there in Hot Springs uh, from uh, World War II. And uh, so I was born in 1950. Hot Springs and my parents uh, were good people. They were uh, religious people, but they weren't necessarily born again Christians. And so they um, they were kind of in and out of church. We didn't grow up in church. And when I was, uh, you know, of course it was in the 1950s and uh, my dad was um, just out of the army. He was trying to find work and things. And so he kind of bounced from places to places. We, we lived in Arkansas and he moved to Oklahoma. He tried farming for a while. That didn't work. Moved out to uh, uh, Kansas, to Illinois, and then finally moved to California. Mm. I was 10 years old when he moved to California and uh, he was a, a laborer there in California, got a job. And, and uh, we, I was uh, spent the next uh, several years in California. And at the age of 17, uh, I, um, I actually dropped out of high school and joined the army. And so I, um, you know, of course we weren't in, we weren't in church. We didn't have a Christian background. So even though they were, were good people and we were raised to kind of know right and wrong, um, there were five kids, uh, four boys and one girl, and we really had no excuse for it, but, uh, all of us, all, all four of the boys just took the wrong direction. Mm. Um, we got into the wrong crowd, uh, started, you know, uh, experimenting with uh, marijuana and different things like that. And the age of 17, as I said, uh, joined the army. And that was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Mm. I joined the army and, uh, it was during the Vietnam era. Um, I turned 18 on March 24th and was sent immediately to Vietnam, arrived in Vietnam on May 20th, 1968. So I became uh, 18 years old on March 24th, and, and uh, less than two months later, I was on May 20th, I was uh, actually arrived in Vietnam. I had gone to uh, something called jump school, uh, which is parachute training, when I was in, in, uh, in the Army and in, in basic training, and advanced infantry training, then to jump school. As a result of going to jump school, uh, having that airborne training, when I received, got to Vietnam, my older brother, by the way, was already there. And so my older brother was already in Vietnam. He, he took leave and was able to come and meet me when I, when I first arrived in Vietnam. And so he was there whenever I was well, while I was waiting at Cameron Bay, which is where you would come in to uh, uh, process there in, in Vietnam. And so I was there waiting uh, in, in, in Cameron Bay for my orders to where I would be sent. And as a result of that airborne training, they sent me to something called uh, LRRP. And so I was there with my brother and I, I get this um, notification, you know, that, that you're assigned to the, to the uh, 199th Light Infantry Brigade, Brigade, U.S. Army, LRRP. And so I had no idea what LRRP stood for. And so I, I read it and I showed it to my brother and I said, I said, Larry, what does LRRP mean? And he looked at me with a, with a uh, <clears throat> shocked look on his face and he said, Dwight, it means you're dead. I said, what do you mean it means I'm dead? He said, it means you're dead. He said, it means you're going to die. LRRP stands for Long Range Reconnaissance Patrol. 
And he said, long range reconnaissance patrol is where they take six men and they drop you off deep behind enemy lines and they just leave you there alone with no support and just the six of you together. And he said, you do reconnaissance. And, uh, you know, if you get into trouble, you can call in air, air support, that sort of thing. But he said, you're out there by yourself. And I said, wow. I said, man, why'd they, why'd they make me do that? And he said, you know, it's supposed to be an all volunteer unit. He said, it's probably because you went to jump school. Mm-hmm. So he took me immediately to the chaplain and we went to see the chaplain there on Cameron Bay. And, and, uh, and uh, they said, look, you know, this is my younger brother. He's 18 years old. He's not, he's not ranger trained. He's just, he just went to jump school. He just knows how to jump out of airplanes. That's it, you know, mm-hmm. and he didn't volunteer for this. Mm-hmm. And so the chaplain said, well, I'll see what I can do, you know? So he sent it back in, so returned it and asked for a waiver. In the meantime, my brother went on back to his, his unit. He was with uh, combat engineers. And so he went on back to his unit and I sat there for another couple of days waiting and it came back and it said 199th Light Infantry Brigade LRRP. You know, get, <laughs> get on the helicopter and go. So I spent the next uh, the next uh, year with the uh, attached to the 75th Rangers with the MERP teams. And um, after that, I I actually uh, chose to uh, renew and go back to Vietnam for a second tour. Really? And, uh, that tour was six months. The first tour in the army was one year. The second tour, you could, if you re-upped, it would be six months at a time. And so the reason I did that, the reason I went back to uh, to Vietnam was because when I finished up my tr- my first year in Vietnam with the LERPs, I received orders to go to the 82nd Airborne in uh, in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Well, I was from California. I didn't want to go to, to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And so if you, if you, one of the incentives they gave, if you were willing to, to go back and spend a second tour in Vietnam, you could choose your next duty station. Ah. So I was able to choose Fort Ord, which was just uh, there in California, Monterey, California, just 30 miles from where my parents lived. And so I thought, you know, if I can stay alive for another six months, I can spend the rest of my time in the army. Yeah. You know, you just don't think real smart at age right. like you know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Some people say I don't think yeah. we're at the age of 70. <laughs> yeah, I understand. That's how it happened. Well, uh, let me just simply say, of course, I, uh, I kind of grew up in that era too, the uh, 70s. I graduated from high school in 1975 and the Vietnam War, of course, was coming to its conclusion. Yes, but uh, I have to tell you, uh, being part of that uh, generation, that I don't think our country, specifically as folks were returning early on from Vietnam, uh, you guys were appreciated. But I want to say thank you for your service to our country. Thank you, thank you for what you, uh, how you served. And that's, that's a great blessing to us, even today even probably more so um, as I'm thinking back on, on the history of the United States. So thank you, Brother Tomlinson, for that service. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. So uh, let's talk about your salvation. You got saved at the age of 20. Yes, sir. My, when I was in Vietnam the first time, uh, my, whole, my whole family got saved. They got saved, or, or I'm sorry, my, my entire family other than my brother and I, my older brother and I were the only ones who were lost. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, they got saved at the little missionary Baptist church in Watsonville, California. So I came back and, you know, everything was changed. Everything was different. I mean, I grew up in a home where there was a lot of turmoil and uh, mom and dad were trying to figure out whether or not they were going to stay together. And, and, you know, the boys were all dropping out of high school. We were all getting in trouble. It just, it was completely, I left that and I came back to a Christian family. Mm. And uh, my younger, younger siblings were in church. My mom and dad were in church. It was just, everything had changed. 
Larry and I were the only ones who were not saved yet. Larry had come back from Vietnam, so he was home. And, um, and we, he and I went out, I remember went out one day and we were, we were out in our car, we were smoking dope. And uh, we were, you know, smoking, smoking marijuana. And we were talking about what, ha- what had happened to mom and dad. And we came to the conclusion that they had found religion as a crutch. Mm. And here we are smoking (laughs) (laughs) talking about their crutch so blind. We couldn't see that we were the ones with the crutches. Not them. (laughs) They, they had found freedom. We we were still looking for crutches, you know? Uh And so uh, I went to church with them and, and uh, you know, I went, I was staying with my mom and dad had a 30 day leave. I went to church with them. Larry and I both did. We both thought, yeah, they're not, you know, they're, they're nuts. They're crazy. This is just religion. And so, but a difference was this, I heard the gospel. Mm. And so when I went back to Vietnam the second time, I knew I was lost. I knew that if the Bible is true and if what that preacher was saying, if I died, I was going to go to hell. Mm. The first time I didn't know that. Right. And I wasn't worried about it. I just thought, well, if you die, you die. You know, that's part of life. And, and people die all the time. And so you die, you're just dead like a dog. The second time I was back out there in Vietnam and assigned back to go back out on those LERP teams and thought, whoa, man, I'm in trouble. If I die, if that preacher's right, I'm going to hell. I was scared for the entire six months. And um, so while I was over there as well, my, 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 my brother got saved and, and uh, I came back. And shortly after getting back from, from Vietnam the second time, I walked inside the door of that little landmark missionary Baptist church in Watsonville on Wednesday night. Uh, preacher preached and gave the invitation. I walked forward, knelt at the altar, and and uh, just cried out to God and said, I, "I, you know, I'm sorry for my sins. If you if you're there, would you please come into my heart and save me?" And He did. Mm. I was 20 years old. It was in September of 1970, and uh, all of my army friends and all of my neighborhood friends, friends I grew up with around Watsonville, uh, they all, you know, they began. The word began to go out. They said, "Hey, Dwight got religion." And of course, Dwight didn't get religion. Dwight got salvation. Right. Yeah. Dwight had religion when he was lost. You know, <laughs> they needed <with> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, they said, you know, my, my when my friends heard about it, a lot of them said, well, we'll give him six months. In six months, he'll be back. He'll be, you know, he'll be running around, drinking, doing the same stuff he always did. And that was uh, 50 years ago. And so, you know, I think they pretty much come to the conclusion I'm not going back. Yeah, amen. That's wonderful. That's what God does, changes our life. Amen. He does, brother. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. So did you uh, meet your wife, Gail, there in the church? You know, I did not. We uh, we actually, um, uh, she was raised Presbyterian, and she was in a different uh, different uh, city. She was in Concord, uh, a little farther uh, in the, in, into the Bay Area than where I was. And so... My that little missionary Baptist church had a Bible college up in Sacramento, so they sent me up to the to the Bible college there in Sacramento Missionary Baptist College, and I I went up there and it was there that I began to hear about and was introduced to the Independent Baptist movement and came to the conclusion that I really needed to to become an Independent Baptist, you know, and not to not be affiliated with a particular uh, group like that. Although they were they were they were good people, and I you know I I love them and I'm thankful for for the fact that I was saved in the Missionary Baptist Church, but I, I was an independent Baptist by heart, at heart. And so when I got up there, um, Gail was up there, my wife, Gail, and she was uh, 19 years old. She was in a, uh, she was going to uh, just a uh, junior college up there. And so process of uh, time went by and we met and uh, started, uh, started seeing each other. And next thing you know, we got married. All right, we're gonna leave our podcast right there today. And uh, we'll pick up that at that point next week as we come back together for Labors in the Harvest. 
I want to thank you for being a listener, and I want to encourage you, if you've enjoyed this podcast, to let others know about it. Again, there's opportunities to subscribe as well as like and to share. So again, we'd appreciate that very much, and uh, thank you for being a listener. Look forward to being back with you again with another edition of Labors in the Harvest next week. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you've been helped, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please feel free to leave us a comment and or a rating. If you'd like more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, kevinfolger.com. We invite you to join us next time with more conversations with Kevin and his guests as they tell their story of being laborers in the harvest. Thank you.